Greetings to you, my friends. I am so glad that each of you are leaning in as we ready ourselves to worship the Lord together. Uh, since the start of this brand new year, we have paused at the beginning of each service, uh, each time that we've come together to lean into practices that will help us become more aware of our need to bring our full selves before the Lord when we approach Him in worship. And we're gonna continue to do this as we cycle through practices relating to body, mind, spirit, and community. And today, I want to invite us to focus upon a practice for our spirits. Now, it's actually a practice that we have already talked about in the past. Uh, it's a reflective practice called the Prayer of Examine. And it's a practice that I think is deeply relevant and helpful in the midst of the season that we find ourselves in right now. Now we've been in the midst of a difficult season for America and in these past couple of weeks have only brought more challenge. But, but friends, I want you to hear this, that I believe that in the challenge, the church has this incredible opportunity for, to, to demonstrate the love and mercy of Jesus. I think we are in a great position to model the Beatitudes, to model uh, the kingdom of God, and, and to be peace bringers in this season. And so I, I want to invite you to utilize this prayer of examine so that we become more and more aware of you know, the places in our lives that are in alignment with Jesus, but also to really begin to understand maybe those places in our lives that are out of alignment with the Spirit and with, with the way that Jesus would want us to live our lives. And so I wanna just kind of walk through the prayer of examine and then just let you sort of use this in your own time. But uh, the, the prayer of examine that I most often use, there's kind of five movements to the prayer. The first movement is gratitude. Just simply be thankful for who God is and for what he's done in your life. The second movement is petition. It's just to simply ask God for wisdom. To, 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 you know, the, the wisdom to see clearly, the wisdom to hear what he has to say clearly, eyes to see, ears to hear. The third movement is review. Review of the last 24 hours specifically of your life where you are sort of doing an internal audit of your emotions, of the thoughts that you've had, uh, of maybe the words that you've said, that maybe the things that you've typed or things that you've shared on Facebook. Uh, or, or maybe just simply the decisions and the actions that you have done in your life. This is a chance just to sit with the Spirit and review what has happened in your life. The fourth movement is forgiveness. This takes courage, but this is where we sit with the Spirit and allow Him to just communicate those places that are out of alignment. And for us to simply say, I'm sorry, Lord, help me to become more aligned with your heart in my life. And then the final movement, the final movement is renewal. It's just simply uh, the opportunity to allow the Lord to fill you up, to empower you for the next 24 hours where you live faithfully for Him. I think this simple practice allows Holy Spirit the freedom to just give us eyes to see what's going on, that, that He will direct our focus to those places that are maybe incongruent with His love, and that we're gonna have this great opportunity to sort of change our thoughts and our words and our actions so that we are better aligned with Jesus, so that everything about us sort of smells with the fragrance of Christ. 
As I mentioned before, I am just so glad that you are here today. I think God wants to do something powerful in us and through us as we surrender fully to Him, to His will and to His purposes. So my prayer is that as we lean into worship together, may God do something powerful as we worship Him. Yeah, 
Hey again, Heritage family. I'm so glad that you're joining us as we continue in our conversation about grit, about being people who chase hard and fast after God's good purposes, who keep on keeping on after those things, regardless of circumstance, even when things get hard. It seems like a timely conversation for us to be having as we look around and see all kinds of challenge and concern and, and constraints in the world around us. You know, as we've been having this conversation, I've been thinking of moments in my life where I've had grit and moments where I wish I'd had a little more or chosen it differently. There's one moment that kind of combines the two for me. It involves being really little. I think I was about four years old, again, living in the desert southwest. My mom at the time was helping uh, earn a little extra income in our household by serving as a housekeeper for a couple of different families. And on this particular day, we had to go, her and I, to some friends who lived in the mountains nearby. They had a beautiful house in one of the hummingbird canyons near where I grew up. And it was a bit of a drive to get there. So I remember climbing into our ancient sedan, starting it up, and heading down the long dirt road to the highway, and then off the highway on to another dirt mountain road. Well, while we were climbing that mountain road, 
the car started to make some really frightening noises. And sure enough, that ancient old sedan puttered out right there on the side of this mountain road. Mom did her best to pull it over. She got her tools out of the car and grabbed me at about four years old and said, well, I guess we're going to have to walk the rest of the way. I don't remember how long that walk was. All I know is that to four-year-old me, it seemed like miles and miles and miles and miles. It wasn't until years later that I learned that it actually was somewhat dangerous because the part of the mountains we were in had been known for mountain lion sightings and for some other folks who might be up to no good. <laughs> and so as we continued on this walk, my little legs got more and more exhausted. I didn't want to go on anymore. Mom would look back, and sometimes she'd carry me, but other times she would say, just take the next step. Just take the next step. Just take the next step. I'm sure she got so tired of saying those words. Eventually, we came up across a cattle guard. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, it is not a school crossing guard for cows. It's actually uh, a kind of a ditch with a grate over it that keeps cows and horses from getting where they shouldn't belong on the road. Now, the problem with these is these grates are just wide enough so that a four-year-old's foot can slip really well through them. And they're creepy deep, some of them. This one in particular was. I remember getting up to that cattle guard and wanting to go no further. I was afraid that I would get stuck or that whatever was living in there would swallow me whole. I did not want to cross this particular space. We were closer than ever to our final destination, but you were not going to move me from that space. It probably didn't help that I had had uncles tell me about horror stories of what lived in those things. None of them were true, by the way. So there I was, my mom just a few steps ahead of me at this impossible, impassable obstacle, or so I thought. Now, to this day, I'm so glad that my mom didn't come back and pick me up and then carry me across. No, what she did is she stopped, turned around with a smile on her face, said, just like before, you've got to take the next step. Just take the next step. It took a little bit, but eventually I took the next step, and the next one, and the next one. And I conquered my fear of cattle guards right there. I don't remember how the rest of that day resolved itself. I do remember that on our way back, somebody gave us a ride, and I was disappointed that I didn't have to walk back across that thing again. This whole idea of just take the next step, well, I think that's a beautiful invitation for you and for me when it comes to this conversation about grit, and perseverance. To be people who keep taking the next step, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when there seems to be this impossible, impassable obstacle in front of us. But how do we do that well? How, how do we choose grit? How do we become people of perseverance when it seems that everything is stacked against us? Or, or worse, when it seems that everything we've come to rely on and depend on isn't reliable or dependable anymore. I think we've all had experiences like that, where the things we've taken for granted aren't there, where the stuff of life that we've looked to for direction, for knowing what to do and how to do it, it seems like it's just 
not enough. How do we live as people of grit and perseverance when those things that we've come to rely on just aren't there anymore? When we wonder if there's going to be something on the other side of that choice, when we're afraid, when we're lonely, when we feel like the journey is too big and we're too small. Well, there's actually a conversation in the scriptures where uh, there's a group of people who are known for their intelligence, for their wealth, for having it all together. They're known for pe being people of power, for being people of opportunity. And yet, everything around them, especially when it comes to the stuff that matters most, is falling apart. They have a conversation with their leader, a man named Paul, and he actually gives them a series of really beautiful invitations and instructions, and some of them anchor right into this conversation that we're having about grit. And so if you're following along in your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 primarily, and what we see at this point in the, in the book is the writer talking about some of the problems and some of the things that are keeping this group of people from experiencing all God has for them. He's sharing with them some of the things that, that have gotten in the way of them being people chasing hard after the things of God, no matter the circumstances. And then he says this. It kind of seems, in a, in a sense, to, to surprise us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In this simple phrase right here, he begins to shift their attention from the stuff that's a challenge into something else. And what we see is this first kind of part of unlocking grit and perseverance for many of us today. It's that we need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we are. The writer has this sense, even in this simple part of the scripture, that our identity and grit and perseverance somehow go hand in hand, that they, they can't be disconnected from one another. And so you see right there these two different spaces of identity. I'm going to read it again to us. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's one group of people. But to us who are being saved, that's another group of people, it is the power of God. There's this sense right out of the starting gate that you and I need to know who we are. And who we are, if we're in Jesus, is people who are being saved, who are being rescued. In fact, the, the statement there is one of saying that we are now being rescued and then being rescued again and again and again. You see, sometimes we think that when we enter into relationship with Jesus, if we're doing all the right things, that he'll just kind of zap us out of the spaces of trouble and challenge in our lives. But that's not how it works. You see, the rescue of Jesus is an ongoing rescue for us. He, he doesn't remove us from the challenges we face, but he actually rescues and redeems us within those spaces. And then he uses us to offer rescue and hope to those around us. You see, what the writer knew and what the people he was talking to had forgotten was that the invitation of Jesus and his powerful work on the cross was to offer hope and life and rescue now and next. 
to receive it in the space where they were and choose faithfulness today, even if they couldn't quite see the outcome of that. Because in this circumstance and the next one and the next one, God is always at work. So there's this invitation right at the outset here to remember who we are. And when we forget who we are, we start chasing things other than God's very best. And it actually can drive us into places of that, well, we just don't want to end up going. They move us further and further away from God's goodness, his power, his rescue, his hope for us. So we have to remember who we are. Practically, I think it would be really great for you to consider a reminder, to consider putting some reminders up about who God says you are. In fact, if you go to heritageqc.com and print out the note guide for this week's message, you'll see a little cutout section that lists these three statements. I encourage you daily, regularly, to read these in declaration of who God says you are. I'm going to read them to us now because they're true and powerful and they serve as a reminder of who we are. You ready? The first one is this. I am awesomely and wonderfully made on purpose for a purpose. How hopeful is that? The next statement is this. I am God's masterpiece created in King Jesus to do good things that he planned in advance for me to do. And the third one is this. I am in Christ and I am a new creation The old has gone and the new has come. Friends, these are true statements about who you and I are if we're in Christ. They're true statements no matter what we're facing or the circumstances we're in. So again, I invite you, declare these truths over yourself, over your family, and see what happens in your own mind and in your own heart about remembering who God says you are and what it looks like to be people of grit of confidence, of perseverance in these days. But the writer doesn't stop there. In fact, he continues. He, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 and following. He talks about two different groups of people again. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. This is incredible. It's it's an awesome invitation for us. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You see, I, I think the invitation here is not just to remember who we are, But the kind of the second key to to unlocking grit and perseverance and the things that matter most is to remember whose we are. Yes, we are who God says we are. But our identity on our own isn't really all that great. We get ourselves into trouble. We start pursuing the wrong things. And Paul, the writer, reminds us and his first hearers that hope and significance and purpose and and true opportunity for the things that matter most are found in Jesus. Anything else and anyone else just 
isn't going to measure up. When we compare who Jesus is to anything else that we're pursuing, to anything else that we're letting define us, it falls short. It crumbles away. And it may even lead us again down those paths we don't really want to go. Now, just in case his first hearers were missing the point, he continues on. He, when, when he says this, he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called or when you first encountered Jesus. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were of noble birth. Not many were influential. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He's not being very nice in this moment. I mean, if you, if you really read what's happening here, he's saying, guys, if you remember what you were like when you first encountered Jesus, you weren't really all that great. You weren't all that smart. You didn't have all that much going for you, if you recall. But the beautiful thing about who Jesus is and the message of his cross is that he invites us as we are, and then he defines us. He takes what little we can bring and uses it for his honor and his glory. When we are defined by Jesus, the truth of who we are changes. In a very real sense, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about who you are. You are who Jesus says you are because you are his. If you're in Christ Jesus, this is true. You and I are who Jesus says we are because we belong to him. That's part of what this message of the cross that the writer begins talking about is about. That because of the great and powerful work of Jesus, offering himself to death, yes, even death on a cross, he can buy back, redeem all things. He can work even in the circumstance you are in today for the sake of justice and goodness and hope and life. And the invitation, friend, is to keep on keeping on, to not give up, but to hold fast to him and to follow where he leads, to just take the next step. That's the invitation for those who first heard, heard this word, and it's the invitation for us as well. Jesus calls us his own. He calls us his friends, and we are who he says we are. Jesus' cross and resurrection mean he's the only one who gets to say who we are. All of those other things, all of those other distractions, they're the things that can cause us to lose traction on the way. They are the things that can cause us to take a, a false step, to move away from the path that God has for us. But you see, with Jesus, if we receive who he is and live into who he says we are, that is the place of lasting grit. It's true no matter our circumstance. Now, there's a whole lot happening in the scriptures here, and we're not going to unpack all of it. It might surprise you that we're actually going to buzz past the rest of this book of scripture and kind of now hook into something at the end, because there's another surprising invitation for us. It's, it's one that really will unlock not only grit and perseverance for us if we receive it, through the Holy Spirit, 
but it's something that can change how we interact in our families and in the circles of relationship all around us. It can change everything for us. Here's the invitation. We remember who we are. We remember whose we are. And then we choose love and generosity. At first, it sounds like one of these things doesn't belong here, right? That, that it's, it's a little bit different. But at the kind of middle part of chapter 16, the Apostle Paul writes to his hearers that they need to be intentional in being people of generosity. Somehow, this message of the cross at the beginning is tied to intentional generosity at the end. And not just financial generosity, but being generous of time and talent, being generous with our presence. That somehow, the message of the cross, who Jesus says we are, what we are when we receive him, is connected to how we choose to give ourselves away. And then, the writer actually says these words as he as he prepares to conclude his conversation he says this be on your guard stand firm in the faith be courageous be strong do everything in love this is our invitation this this is it to remember who we are to remember whose we are and then to choose love and generosity out of the overflow of what Jesus has done out of the overflow of who we are in him we offer all of the goodness that he's given us to others around us you see i think i think the writer knew what he was doing because in my experience, the places where I end up losing traction, the places where I end up getting lost or feeling stuck or wondering if it's worth holding on anymore, those are the places where I move my eyes from what I've already received to what I want or don't have. It's in those spaces where I look to what I wish I had or wish I were or had hoped would be but just isn't and I don't know if it will be. It's in those places that I start to lose traction. I start to get frustrated. Maybe I start to get angry, even with those around me. But the invitation here is to be people of love and generosity, not with what we don't have yet, but with we, what we already have. And when we choose to be open-handed with the opportunities, the gifts, the resources, the time and energy that we do have, when we look for spaces and places where we can be the people of hope, where we can be the people of perseverance and grit, God is inviting us to be not for ourselves, but for the sake of others. Well, there is where we start to find traction again. And we also start to find ourselves reminded of who we are and whose we are. We find that we're reliant on Holy Spirit to be the one pouring us out and filling us up. And then we realize that because of who Jesus is and what he's done, even if none of those other things happen, those desires, dreams, aspirations, the things just out there, if none of them ever happen, then we have received more than enough because of who he is and what he's done, because of who he says we are, because of whose we are. We have Jesus, 
We have purpose. We have life. And we have these things because God has so generously given them to us in his indescribable gift of Jesus, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his invitation for us. So these are our reminders. These are the keys for us, at least some of them, to remember who we are, to remember whose we are, and to choose love and generosity. My prayer for you and for me is that we wouldn't stall out in a place of self-preservation, that we, we wouldn't get stuck just on this side of what frightens us, but that we would move forward, that we would, as the invitation is, take the next step. I pray that you hear the invitation of Holy Spirit in this moment to your heart, inviting you just just take the next step. Maybe you don't know what that is. Sit with him and ask him to speak to you about what it is. Perhaps your next step is actually receiving Jesus for who he says he is, the one who gave himself for you, who loves you, who rose again in power, who wants to forgive you and lead the rest of your days. If that's your next step, then we invite you even now to ask Jesus to be that king of your life, the rescuer of all that you are. If you make that decision today, we invite you to share it with us so we can journey with you. Maybe you've already done that, but your next step then is actually to spend time in scripture, to root into who Jesus says you are. I suggest you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and get a sense, get a picture of who Jesus is of what his ministry, his life, his death and resurrection mean. And see what happens as you root yourself in the power of God's word as he leads us to take the next step. And for some of us, it's making space to choose love and generosity in a really tangible way this week. To choose love and generosity in a way when the world around us seems to be going crazy and everything around us seems to be inviting us to hold back and hold on to what's already ours. What does it look like to choose love and generosity for your family, for your neighbor, for your coworker, for somebody who really irks you today and this week? And if you do that out of who God says you are and who he is, because you belong to him. That simple act of love and generosity has consequence and ripple far beyond what you or I can imagine. So I'm going to give you a moment to sit with Holy Spirit and to identify that next step. And then, even as our team leads us in song, listen for how God is inviting you to trust, to remember to choose with him today. Let's listen for him.
I am so thankful for the reminder to keep pressing on, to persevere, to demonstrate grit in our lives as we seek to follow Jesus in in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do. I, I truly believe that God is up to something unique and powerful in this season, and he wants to empower his church for a time such as this. Now here at Heritage, uh, we are passionate about creating and providing opportunities for each of you to connect with God, with others, and with your purpose. And I just wanted to highlight a few opportunities that are coming up that will help you do just that. Uh, First, I am so excited that we are restarting in-person worship services starting on Sunday, January 17th, 9 a.m. at the Rock Island campus. This will be done in a very safe, socially distanced environment. And I am excited for the opportunity to just see your faces and to be able to worship alongside of you as we chase Jesus together. And we also have two virtual learning groups that either have launched or will be launching in January. It is not too late to get signed up for either of those. And we have two in-person opportunities for support around grief share and divorce care, and that those launch in February. And I would just invite you, if any of those interest you, visit heritageqc.com and click on the groups page and you'll get all of the information that you need and it's there that you can sign up and register. As we get ready to lean into one last moment of worship together, I wanted to just take a moment and and just uh, sort of give you a prayer to reflect upon It was written by St. Francis. It's a prayer that provides really perfect language and handholds for us as followers of Jesus, seeking to demonstrate grit and perseverance as peacemakers and peace bringers. Allow this prayer to both minister to you and challenge you. And I just encourage you to pray this together with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I might not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen and amen. Friends, we have this amazing opportunity to just lean into another moment of worship. And Jesus, uh, we're going to be singing about how Jesus is going to return to establish new creation. And my prayer is that he would find us faithful when he arrives, that he would be pleased with our investments in his kingdom, that we would invest with great love and mercy and peace. Join with me as we lean into this last moment and just call out to our God.
all of creation. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint, let every nation shout at your name, yes. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for a groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus come even so come Lord Jesus come there will be there will be justice and door will be new your name forever faithful and true yeah Jesus is
stand against the power. 